0: solution focused never starts in that place and because it never starts there it pretty much never ends up there it ends up with the other person feeling dignified respected valued for their capabilities and that's just through conversation it's just through using different words in a conversation i mean that's magic that is simply focused with every journey and good for life enjoy
1: and, and deep Are you ready for this new episode? Then please welcome your hosts, Elfie Czerny and Dominic Godad.
2: Welcome back everyone to episode number 73. We are here in Edinburgh with Raya Gould today. Hi Raya. Hi Elfie. We're so excited to have you here. We met each other in Frankfurt at the SF World Conference two years ago for the first time and it was just such a beautiful encounter to us meeting you because you were really passionate about the thing we did and you gave us your book back then and ever since I have your book The Power of the Next Small Step with me and just love it and I'm very excited to talk with you about this book and many more things today Thank you
0: Alfie I mean I echo that for me it was a great experience meeting you and Dominic and I'm absolutely delighted that you've invited me to do a podcast can't wait to talk to you
2: Raya you are a solution focused practitioner and trainer you are an academic at the University of Edinburgh at the moment and you're very passionate about Solution Focus for many many years and among others you share your work as an author in your trainings and also recently as a stand-up comedian
0: Yeah, not quite a stand-up comedian, it's more kind of entertainment but I can talk a little bit about that uh, with you if you're interested
1: Yeah, let's do that but before we come to that, what fascinates you about Solution Focus?
0: Well I think the biggest thing that fascinates me about Solution Focus is that it provides a genuine alternative to problem solving for being helpful to people and for moving forwards into the rest of your life really. I think that's the biggest thing for me is that uh, when I look around all the various different methods and technologies that there are for talking to people, for thinking about how one works out what one wants to do and the ways that one wants to do, to achieve in the world. Generally speaking, almost all of them are based on problem solving. And through my interactions with Solution Focus and all the Solution Focus people I've met, I just remain absolutely convinced that Solution Focus is a really different alternative way of achieving that
1: and lately we sat together with Jenny Clark and you in Jenny's and Mark's nice house in Edinburgh. We had cheese, it was really a nice evening and he told us the metaphor that you use with the washing machine. (laughs)
0: Yeah, because that's why when I think about when I was previously trained in problem-solving talk therapies, I just really noticed a difference when I started using Solution Focus and I started to think, well, what's the difference? And what I noticed is that I've been thinking about this a long time. So basically, if you look at what a problem-solving approach is, it has three options available to you. So you can look for something to fix if if you think something's broken, or you can maybe add something if you think something's missing, or you can take something away. And that's really it. It's the approach which you use to mend machinery. It's also the approach that underpins medicine. And that seemed to me to be problematic. Because people are not washing machines. And when you start to treat people as if they're machinery, then, you know, I think we have an issue. So I like to make this distinction and say, well, people are not washing machines because, you know, if you have a washing machine and it goes wrong, then you bring out your problem solving approach and you look for something that's might be broken, which you can fix. You might look for something that you want to take away, which might be, oh, somebody's left a coin inside their trousers and it's got stuck and it's broken, or maybe there's a piece that needs to be added in order to make the machine work. And those are the basic ways of solving problems. And the thing is that with the machine, what you very quickly can have is a notion of the ideal. So you've got a notion of what that machine should be functioning like when it's working properly and with a machine that's easy because there's specs and even with very complicated machines they're still at its essence there is an ideal way that's working and you might have to just try and find which part is wrong but with a person a person isn't a complicated system a person is a complex system and I think that's very different and I think then when you've got something that's complex you can spend a huge amount of time wasting your time basically looking for something to fix to take away and to add and that's what happens when you use a problem solving approach to talk about people
1: and this problem solving approach is very common when people talk about people like they tell people that they're not good enough that they kind of need to be fixed for example go to therapy and then they fix it or that they're not good enough because there needs to be something added, like you're not educated enough or whatever, or that you have too much of something, like they're too anxious or whatever, and that you need to Take that away
0: Exactly. And that's exactly what I started to notice, was that what you create is you create a person as a problem. So in order to help, if you only use a problem solving approach, you have to first construct the person as a problem. And by definition, because the problem solving approach is one where you have to look for things to fix, take away, add, then your options are always limited to starting from the point of view of that person as being efficient in some way It's almost impossible to operate out of that system. So that's what I see is I see people, you know, they talk about other people as if that person is a problem. And maybe they might be problematic to them. I completely accept that people can be problematic. I mean, we all have people in our lives who are problematic to us. But maybe the best way of moving forward with that and getting to some kind of resolution, you know, it might be a radical idea that actually it may not be necessary to create them as a problem in order. Order to start that process. And that more than that, the actual mindset where you start have feel you have to start off by creating that person as a problem is in itself a major problem and will stop and limit the possibilities for actually resolving that. And I think it's even worse when people start to do it to themselves and they start to see themselves as a problem because then that's when you start to develop a really toxic relationship with yourself where you're endlessly trying to make your Yourself better and that's I think really toxic and personally I think talking too much about yourself as a problem is probably bad for your mental health
2: and here we are in the middle of a topic that's very very close to my heart as well because I feel that it's really a social responsibility in my point of view to see other people in their resources in their brilliance because the way we see ourselves and other people has an effect on how people react to it. So we co-create together resources by seeing resources. And I'm very curious to hear more about your view of what can we do instead?
0: Yeah, thank you, elfie because I
2: absolutely agree
0: with you. I mean, if we're going to all work together to make things better for ourselves and for other people, then actually what we need to be doing is focusing not on that we should all somehow become some kind of ideal person before we can all get Together and you know, make the world a better place. But actually, what we need to do is to see the best in each person and help each person to identify and reactivate their resources and strengths, and to remember that you know they can always operate at their best, however hard the situation is, or however you know difficult their things might be for them. You can always be your best. So, that idea of starting out with a sense of a unique person. Person, with a unique set of resources and skills and qualities, which they have. Everybody has them. Because if you've lived in the world, the world's quite a challenging place for everyone. You will have developed resources and you will have developed strengths. But we kind of miss that's what happens when you start to get stuck in the problem-solving whirlpool. You end up missing all of that and forgetting all of that. So I think it's our responsibility to start with what I think the solution focused approach offers, which is essentially. Sense of the person as resourceful and the experts in their own lives.
2: I really love to hear that. And you're very much into bringing solution focus to everyday people and everyday life, even though you're an academic. And for that, you wrote your self-help book, The Power of the Next Small Step. What's the best that could happen? What can people learn from this book?
0: Well, I hope that people, first of all, will kind of really get that message that who they are is Fine right now. And in the book, one of the things that I do is because I kind of thought, how on earth do you convey solution focus in a, in a book to people? Because when you're in a solution focused interaction, let's say you're a client, you're being seen by a solution focused therapist or a coach or whatever, through the questions that the person asks, those questions are designed especially to reactivate, to do what I was just talking about, which is to reactivate your sense of yourself as a capable, competent, resourceful person who can come up with their own good solutions. And I think in the book, I was thinking, well, I can't do that in a book because I'm not having a conversation with someone in a book and I can't kind of hook into what they're talking about and find, you know, when you're in a solution-focused conversation with someone, there are always opportunities aren't there? Where, you know, Someone will say something and then you can think, ha, I can go in there and amplify that. But in a book, you can't because I don't have that direct relationship with people. So I thought, well, I need to get this message out. So that's why at the beginning of the book, there's a section called myth busting, which is where I kind of present The problem with problem solving And I talk about what that does to you And in fact that's also what I'm doing in my show For the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Because I think that's the really big thing You need to have a kind of penny drop moment When people realise what happens When you use a problem solving approach You spend hours and hours trying to work out what's wrong And you're trying to work out things that are quite often that are wrong That number one have no main source Like one effect Or the other thing is that you might know why something's wrong I mean, the example I give in the book is like a man might present he's depressed and he's depressed because, you know, there was an economic downturn. His firm laid off workers and he was one of the people who was laid off and he was laid off in an area where there were no other jobs. So he becomes unemployed. You know, he can't look after his family, etc. Becomes depressed now, we might know that, but we can't go back in time and, you know, improve the economy for this chap and, you know, make his employer take him back and so on. That's problem solving. That's what you would have to do if you're in a problem solving approach. That just takes up time. It's a waste of time. And, you know, the other thing is that we kind of think that we have to then fix ourselves before we can have anything. You know, there's an entire industry that's out there that tells us we're not good enough and all we need to do is X, Y, Z, you know, learn this, do that, visualize this, etc. There's plenty of people wanting to make money off us telling us that we're you know, not enough. So the beginning of the book is really about telling people in a way, I hope, so that by the time they finish that section on myths, that they think, oh, oh, okay, so there's a different way I can look at myself. And then they've got the opportunity to try out the solution focused questions, which they can work through by themselves. Actually, I have two friends who decided that they were going to spend an afternoon together asking each other yeah. all the questions and they wrote to me and they said I and mean, these are people these are just friends of mine who know nothing about Solution Focus and you just think oh Raya wrote a book she's given it to me how nice <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really know. And then all of a sudden they're, they're in touch with me going, this stuff really works. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? But that's what they did. So you can also use it like that, you know.
2: So and I can confirm that it works because I sat down with your book and did the exercises. Mm. I didn't do it together with someone else, but just took my journal, wrote down the questions, mm. found my answers. And I really, really love it. So I oh, highly great. recommend your book to everyone. Oh, thank you, You Elfink. definitely should read this book if you want to get into solution focus in a very very easy and joyful way and if you want to challenge your assumptions Mm. about the world Mm. thank you Alfie that's lovely
1: while well, talking about myth, I was just thinking of maybe it's also the word better that, well, supports a view like that. So many times I hear that something has to be better or we have to be better instead of just wanting something different. Yeah. Because if it's better, then it's well a sign that it's not enough now or mm. that something is wrong or kind mm. of you're in this problem solving mode and maybe think of the question, well, what do you want to have different or what do you want to have instead? And suddenly you're out of this problem solving and can really get more and more into solution focus.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Dominic. Thanks for kind of bringing that up because people do start off by wanting things to be better. And actually, some people's situation is crap. That's not very nice. And they do want things to be better. And that's fine, too. But I think that the really big key of solution focus, which, you know, thanks for reminding me of that, is that actually we're not often very good at knowing what's going to make things better for us. What we tend to do is we tend to talk in symbols and we'll think of something which which we think will make things better, which might be an object, it might be um, a person, it might be an activity and so on. So it may be one of these sorts of things people might say, or might be things like money and so on. That's because sort of subconsciously, we believe that that is the thing that will make our life nicer or better. But actually, we don't really know We don't actually know whether those things will bring us those things. So when we're in a conversation either with ourselves or or with other people and somebody says, well, I'd really want this. I want a bigger house or I want more money. It's really, really useful to just say, well, what difference would that make? Because very quickly when you ask about difference... People start to talk about values they start to talk about qualities in their life like maybe more time with my children or they might talk about having more time to pursue my creative activities or they might say i'd be fulfilled or i'd be satisfied and so on and then what that opens up is the possibility of that quality or desired way of being to be achieved in many different ways Mm. And then it's not stuck and attached to the symbol that someone wants. And of course, that symbol comes straight out of problem solving because it's something you want to add. You know, things are going to be better. How am I going to make them better? Let me solve this problem. Oh, I know. I need a bigger house because that's an adding something. So talking about difference as you say, quite rightly, allows you to think about where you are as a really good platform for the next steps and the next stages. And it's about thinking about, you know, what what the different things that might be present in your life.
1: Yeah. And in addition to values, you also hear a lot of things people then do as a difference and so you see them or you have a description of them differently in their world and that's what I love about this question about also you highlighting to go on like if they say I want a bigger house what differences would that make Mm. and then you hear about things they would do how they would maybe be in a different conversation with someone else or what they kind of would do in their normal everyday life. When I'm asked this question, I usually realize that I, well, I'm actually doing parts of that already and that can start doing those things that are maybe far in the future, but they're very close to what I could start doing right now mm-hmm. because they're very simple, yeah. simple behaviors that we, we all yeah. know how to do.
0: Yeah, and I think it's all relative, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've worked a lot with people with quite severe mental health issues and people whose lives have been very reduced because of, you know, the effects of the emotional or cognitive distress or disturbance that they've been experiencing. So actually, a lot of the time they feel like they're doing nothing because their lives are not similar to people who have not had to have those kinds of challenges that's very easy to say you know I'm not doing anything everything's awful and the thing about solution focus is it really doesn't matter where you are on that kind of scale of you know being in the world or what relative success or whatever you might want to call it is that wherever you are you're always somewhere where you have the potential to be at your best and therefore that is an amplification of where you are right now. So that means that kind of that assumption that where you are right now, there is something going on. And those are some of the most powerful Mm -hmm. conversations I've ever had with people have been just about what are you doing right now? Mm -hmm. And it may be getting up in the morning. It might just be, you know, making breakfast for my children and nothing else all day. But that's still something. I know that many people in the solution-focused world work with organisations and work with, you know, coaching very People to greater success and so on. But actually, for me, I really care about the fact that every day, every human being is waking up to the challenge of being human in the world. Mm. And, you know, that's not easy. I don't think that's very easy. I don't know. I just don't think it's a very easy thing. And I think everyone is facing just the challenge of being human. And within that, we're all doing an incredible job. <laughs> And I just want people to know that. And I want I want people then when they are talking to each other, this is why I'm really interested in, in kind of help working with communities to make them more resilient, is that people want to help each other. They really do want to help each other. And I want them to be using a language that is helpful. To me, Solution Focus is a really good language for being helpful to each other because it helps people to ask each other questions that activate the strengths and resources in the other person. And for me, that's, I think, my greatest interest in the moment is getting people to stop using problem-based conversation because that just keeps people stuck.
2: And talking about communities and supporting communities, how do you do that? What do you do there?
0: Well, one of the things I've been doing is because of my background in mental health work is I've been working with mental health service users who working in peer support. So people who have experience of mental illness who are working with each other to provide an alternative to the statutory services, which run parallel to statutory services. And so I've been teaching mental health service users to use solution focused conversation with each other. And I've been working for a while with an organization down in Kent, a charity that's entirely mental health service user led. And I've recently done a training for some peer workers up in Edinburgh. And that's what I'm interested in pursuing now is developing community based resourcefulness. I think resourcefulness within communities so that they can begin to have better conversations about how to, you know, make their lives the way they want them to be.
2: So what differences do you notice or do the people you trained notice already? Well, the
0: organisation down in Kent that I've been working with for 10 years are so successful now that they have three venues. They are funded to deliver services by the statutory commissioners. So that's by the people who actually fund mental health services. So they are recognised as another provider. They pay everyone and they're just blossoming as, a, as an organisation. They've got like, I don't know how many groups running and they do all sorts of creative things um, and that's the way they talk to each other
2: so what do you think how did solution focus help them i think because especially if you've been in a mental health system you will have been
0: spoken to by mental health professionals using a problem solving paradigm so that's what they know and you know i'm not saying it's all unhelpful some people might have felt very helped by some of the kinds of talking but that's the kind of way that trained therapists talk ordinary people don't need to speak like that. But I think if you've been spoken to like that within a service, if you're setting up a self-help group, then the temptation is to think, well, that's how you do it. You get people to talk about the problems. And actually, that's what we're told all the time, that it's good to talk about your problems. Well, it's good to talk about what's going on for you, But how you talk about it, I think, is the crucial difference. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was really interested in was giving people, as I say, an alternative way. And when I did the training for Takeoff, which is the name of the organization, it only takes about 20 minutes, 30 minutes to train them. Okay. Elfie's face. I, you yeah, can't see this. But Elfie's wonderful. making a face at me like what? Yeah. <laughs> but it only I takes yeah, it only takes that long. Because all I have to say to them is, you know, the first thing you do is you, you ask people, you know, what do you want and what's your preferred outcomes? And they all just sit there and go, Wouldn't it be nice if someone had asked me that? And then I say, Well then you kinda of say, Well, you know, what are you doing right now? And acknowledging that. And then they immediately Oh, yeah, because nobody else does that nobody ever says you know how the hell have you managed to stay like you know how are you managing to go to work even though you feel suicidal a lot of the time how do you do no one gives us credit for that So it's so quick because they immediately go, oh, so these questions help us to do this. And to have these, I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I give them a sheet that has some solution-focused questions on them. And I just say, go away and practice. They absolutely get it. They don't have to unlearn anything in order to get it. And that's when I started thinking... Okay, I'm onto something here. This is really great stuff. They really got it very fast and they're really good at it. They're really good at what they do. They use it in slightly different ways, obviously, to a therapist would. But I've heard such fantastic stories of how they use it. And the really great thing is that they know how to value the tiny things that people do. If someone says, you know, I got up, they don't need to be trained to go, wow. They just go, wow, because they know how impressive it is to get out of bed on a day when you feel
1: terrible. You also told us about the tutoring program at your university.
0: Yeah, so one of the other ways, because I work in the University of Edinburgh now and I work enhancing the work that academics do when they're teaching and learning. And one of the things which they do is that they are personal tutors. So they have a role with their students where they give academic and pastoral support. And of course, they're not counsellors, but now there's far more students coming into university who do have emotional needs, which didn't appear to be so prominent in the past. And so quite a lot of university lecturers are feeling a little bit at sea about how do I help students that come in and say that they're unhappy and homesick and feeling bad and perhaps even worse than that. And so that's one element. And then the other element is just simply that there's a coaching role that you're taking as a personal tutor, trying to get your students to engage with their studies. And so I've been running sessions there on how to use solution focus Mm -hmm. with your personal tutors and PhD supervisors as well. Obviously, that's a slightly different type of tutoring But so I've been running those sessions there and they they appear to be quite popular. So I'm really pleased about that.
1: So how long does it take them to unlearn?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do it in a couple of hours. They're, They're pretty good too. I think anyone who's been trying to help people and found it quite frustrating, found the conversations frustrating, is really grateful for an alternative and can kind of get But I always do the thing with what happens if you treat people as problems. It's very quick then to help people to understand why you need a different kind of conversation. And I do things like I show the different kinds of conversation, different kind of questions you might ask if you're using a problem solving approach and the kinds of questions you might ask if you're using a solution focused approach. And I point out that if you're asking questions in that way then what you're doing is you're already setting up in that person's mind the idea that they're a problem. That seems to be very useful for people to think, oh, that's why I shouldn't do that. So it's not about kind of being an evangelist for solution focus, but it's about really helping people to see that it is a really a different thing and that if you use it at the wrong time, if you use a problem-solving approach to approach something which isn't a problem, then actually it can be quite damaging.
2: Yeah, and there is this very famous moan, moan, moan next exercise, which was quoted several <laughs> times already, <laughs> that you introduced to many people and many people love to use in their workshops as well. So can you tell us what the moan, moan, moan exercise okay, is? Okay, so,
0: so, so moan, moan, moan. So it was a completely spontaneous exercise that, that I developed in a training because I was trying to get people to think about how they could, you know, because people were sort of saying, well, people are complaining a lot. And what do you do? And I was thinking, well, you know, you're just listening with a solution focused head on. You can hear all sorts of great things about people. It's really an exercise in reframing. But what it does, it's about, I always use it to teach people how to listen. Again, when I run trainings, the first two exercises that I do are one where you turn to the next person and ask them about a hobby. And then you say, how did you do that? And then you basically you formulate what I call evidence-based compliments. So compliments based on what you've just heard, on the evidence that you've heard, because they're impossible to bat away. You can't say no if someone says, you know, I've noticed that you're very resourceful because you told me that you did this. So so there's that one and then the second one is always the moan 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 exercise where someone complains for three minutes at you but the same thing at the end you have to give these evidence based compliments and they always manage it you know they find out how to say you know if someone's complaining about this and never end enough supermarket aisles open you know or whatever you know that's the kind of person that's probably got a good logistical mind to notice that you know because they always have a solution don't they when people moan about things and why don't they just do blah 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 so you can think ah okay so to my mind there's the first thing if you want to become solution focused you need to know how to listen so you're listening for what people's skills are that's what the first exercise does and the second exercise the moan 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 exercise is the exercise where people reveal their values and their principles Mm. for living and when you feed that back to people quite often people are like how did you know that I always say to them do you feel seen and they go like yes and some people say actually that was almost uncomfortable because I felt like how did they see into me like that then I say that took seven minutes where you found out what people's skills are, and what people's values are is that useful to you as a practitioner and they usually go yes
2: and i guess it's not only worth for practitioners to train that and try that out so we invite you to try out both exercises the first one where you go and ask someone about their hobby and how they do it and the second one the moan 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 exercise yes
0: you know it might just happen in your life that someone starts to complain to you i mean it might not but my guess is that generally speaking that happens sometimes to people you can try it out and you can just think you know okay this is my opportunity now to find out you know what this person's values You know why what what sort of person complains about that stuff oh they have a keen sense of justice and then just feed it back to them at the end and see what happens
1: You're spreading solution focus in so many different ways. On the one hand, at your university. and the other hand, in the projects you just described with your book. And also at the Festival Fringe in Edinburgh. And you're up there on stage talking about solution focus. And we've heard already some things that you touched there. But what is it all about? And what are you looking most forward to?
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to the show, which is pretty scary. It's an hour-long show as part of what's called the Edinburgh University university's cabaret of dangerous ideas and my dangerous idea is that talking about your problems can be bad for you which of course you know is a kind of a provocation. I'm just really looking forward to sharing solution focus. I called the show Are You a Problem Addict which again was kind of a way of getting people to think about what their relationship is to problems as a whole and to problem solving. So I think we don't realise how much we're doing it and of course the great thing about problem solving is it is one of our superpowers. You know, medicine is brilliant because it is essentially a problem-solving approach. Where it falls down in things maybe like chronic pain and so on is when you can't apply it. That's why solution-focused and chronic pain, for example, is incredibly effective. So it's not that I'm anti-problem-solving. I've got two hip replacements where someone took away some diseased bone and gave me a brand new titanium and ceramic bone. So they added it, you know, they took something away and they added it and they problem-solved that one perfectly and now I can walk again. So I haven't got anything against problem solving, but it's that thing about problem solving works where you have a system that has a certain level of predictability in it and where you know how it should work when it's working well. Most things that happen in life and certainly people and people's lives, I think, are complex systems and they are not easily solved by the problem solving approach. Will there be a
2: recording of your show? No, there won't. (laughs) Should, you, no, maybe we if you want to see people, it, you have yeah, to come. <laughs> <laughs> so when will you have your next show
0: then? <laughs> <laughs> well, if someone else wants to see it, then maybe they can invite me and I'd
2: be happy. happy okay, this one is marked. So we will welcome Raya in Switzerland one day. <laughs> and we will let you know in time.
1: So looking back on your journey with Solution Focus and the many things you did on your way and many things you also learned on your way, if there's one learning, one insight that made a big difference for you and might also make a big difference for someone else, what could that be? Hmm, What could that be?
0: I think for me, the biggest thing is this idea that everybody knows what they're like when they're at their best. And it's your job to help people remember that. And for people to know that them at their best is enough. So how do you do that? Do you mean me at my best or just helping other people? I think Both, just, actually. I think just throughout my whole life now, every opportunity I have to tell people that they're doing well, I do in everyday life and then you know if i have those situations that come my way where people are complaining or unhappy or whatever i basically try my best to help them and generally that involves some kinds of solution focused questions and so on but i just i just try and look at ways i can share it and you know help everybody else to have this you shouldn't need to go and see a solution focused therapist just to get the benefit of solution focus i don't think it should be kept in the hands of professionals it's so easy to use it's so simple to understand i don't think that we should be doing that i think there's something different about people who need to see a therapist because their issues are such that in that context yes of course people need to be trained to do it because there's it sitting within a different type of system but out in everyday life we should all be able to do it we all use problem solving so why can't we use solution focus and solution building
2: I think this is so true and such an important message you sent there that solution focus really is something where everyone every day can benefit from and that there, of course, is a distinction of when we need what, but yet by the way we look at people, by the way we listen to people, by the way we respond to situations, we can make such a huge difference. And I think we are often not aware of how fast we can make a really huge and valuable difference. And our conversation just reminds me of a sentence Heather Fisk once said to us, and she said, everyone who is supporting the reasons of another person to live is doing suicide prevention. You mentioned today mm-hmm. earlier that there are a lot of people working in environments where they happen to come across people who have suicidal thoughts, for instance, and they are not trained to well respond to that. But I think that solution focus in itself, by the way how we look at people, by all what you highlighted today, is really at the very base, also a way of supporting each other other's reasons for living and of giving hope to each other and by that really spread love joy and ease in the world. I absolutely agree and I think for me it's really also about giving people
0: dignity. You're dignifying them with being an expert in their own lives and having the right and the capability to make their own choices and decisions and supporting them in that. Because when you're using problem solving, you become an expert because you hold the expertise of what the ideal should be. And even if you're just a friend talking to another friend about, you know, your marriage or, you know, your children or whatever, if you start, you know, because you want to give advice, don't you? All of that takes away power from the other person. And it's not deliberate because you're trying to be helpful solution focused never starts in that place and because it never starts there it pretty much never ends up there it ends up with the other person feeling dignified respected valued for their capabilities and that's just through conversation it's just through using different words in a conversation i mean that's magic
1: thank you for highlighting that and now so let's come to the challenge of the week
0: I've been thinking about this and I was thinking that I'm going to share with you a brilliant task which somebody I once worked with came up with. This was a person who was struggling with their eating and they had been on a million different diets and so on and wanted to lose weight, needed to lose weight, but also didn't want to be stuck in a cycle of being obsessed about their diets. And so they set themselves this task to do at the end of every day on a scale of naught to 10, where naught is that they're not at all pleased with the way that they ate, and 10 was that they were pleased with the way that they ate, where were they, and how could they maybe do better next day? And I thought that was a tremendously clever exercise to do for yourself for anything that you want to do maybe a health change or an activity change or you know really anything which completely gives you the power then to determine what does it mean you know so what does eating well for me mean or what does or what, am, what am I happy with? And because we can trust people to be at their best, they always know.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I love that. <laughs> and by the way, I think scaling is anyway a lovely thing to keep oneself tracked. And I think also in your book, there are some brilliant scaling exercises. So please also go out and buy Raya's book. You can have it in English language and also in Swedish. Yes, it's available in Swedish. I don't think I can pronounce the title even if I can
0: see it. So, uh, But it is available in Swedish as yeah, Susan Oster has published
2: it. So you will find everything in the resource section of this podcast and please also let us know how the challenge of the week worked for you and share in the comment field of our podcast on www.sfontour.com slash
1: podcast and then go to episode number 73. And in the resource section you'll also find the online program about solution-focused suicide prevention Elfie did with Heather Fisk and Brigitte Lavoie where they talk about hopes and reasons for living and everybody who's supporting the other's hopes and reasons for living is doing suicide prevention. It is an immense pleasure to be with you and to hear you talk and to listen to your stories and to share together, learn together and we're so much looking forward to spending the afternoon now together and we're curious to see what emerges out of that.
2: So thank you very, very much, Raya, for having us and for sharing your beautiful stories. And we are looking forward to a lovely day, as Dominic said, and we wish you a wonderful day and week out there. Here and see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Elfie and Dominic. I've had a wonderful time. Likewise.
1: (laughs) Wow, what a great episode again. Do you like the Simply Focus podcast? will help Elfie and Dominic spread the word. Give the Simply Focus podcast an excellent rating on iTunes and Google Play and other platforms. This was the Simply Focus podcast with Elfie Cherney and Dominic Odat, Your podcast for a life in joy and ease.